0: Greetings, friends. Bob McGurdy here with the Guided Life Plan podcast. Last week, I shared about a a seven-and-a-half-minute intro, sent it on Facebook and a couple other places, and I've been blown away by the encouragement of my friends and acquaintances uh, and how excited they are. Already comments just on the intro, so this is going to be a fun journey. Just so you know, I... um, have this available on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and some others that I don't fully understand yet, so we'll keep you up to date, and uh, anyhow, welcome for and thank you for being here and tuning in. My name is Bob McGurdy, and I uh, host this podcast, and this is the very first official one in addition to the introduction trailer of last week. As we start, I just want to put a couple of guidelines about podcasts, and we'll keep refining and developing these. But I hope that when I share and when I bring guests in that they share, that we'll be focused more on perspectives than opinions. An opinion is a viewpoint that may or may not have any knowledge or fact or data to back it up, but it's strongly held. A perspective is just another way of looking at something. It's an angle. And I have opinions and I have perspectives, and I would rather share perspectives than opinions, And if I have an opinion that may seem narrow or offensive to you, I'll be clear, hopefully, and point that out and say, now this is my opinion. Other people don't think that way, or there's another way of looking at it. 61 years of life, and I realize that everyone has opinions and perspectives and looks at the world differently, has different religious beliefs, different value systems, and the entire purpose of this podcast is nothing more than to help you in your own life, to help you develop a guided life plan, a plan that will get you closer to what you were designed and created to be, who you are, what you're supposed to do. And it will be done through stories, storytelling. And I've been over the last week thinking about friends and people who don't know me at all, and how they could add value to this podcast. So until I build that list and get the commitments, you're kind of going to be stuck with me telling some stories. And and it's kind of funny because as I'm reading some tools and PDFs and guidebooks about podcasting, it talks about uh, making sure that you have content and really thinking through the content and giving you ideas for content. And for me, I kind of scribble 25 things and go, which one should I share? And today's uh, podcast, I'm going to tell a story. And over the years, it's been a bit of a painful one. It's definitely marked my life and who I am. And it's really around the word adoption. Those of you that know my wife, Twyla, and I may or may not know that we were both adopted, and in both of our cases, it was other family members who adopted us. I'm not going to tell Twyla's story. That's hers to tell or not tell, but I'm going to tell a little bit about my own. I have to set some context so that you can know a little bit of my history and some things that led up to the adoption. And along that way, I'll probably say, and this is a story for the future. So I'm just going to jump in talking about adoption. And before I do, if you are a parent who has adopted a child, thank you. Thank you for caring enough for someone that you would bring them in and make them family. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and many adoptions are based on heartbreak stories and pain and trauma. And uh, just want to encourage you for making someone's life better by adopting them. For me, my adoption was rather unique in that it was my stepfather who adopted me. And it went to court and basically my dad and my stepdad... Based off in the court of law in Sussex County, New Jersey, at the Superior Court. And in the end, the judge ruled that my stepdad could adopt me. But let me just go backwards a little bit. My mom was married many times, at least five times that I know of. And uh, the first divorce happened when I was six and my brother was two. And then she had a Kind of a quick help, I got two kids to raise and don't know what I'm supposed to do. Kind of a marriage to a man who owned an Italian restaurant in Joliet, Illinois, called Pastori's. And the Pastori story is for a future time. It's interesting living in the back of a restaurant at nine and ten years old uh, we'll talk about the Chicago Cubs and Ernie Banks. Again, another story, the past story story. So that marriage lasted all of about a year or so. And then several years later in 1974, it was actually on my birthday, August 18th, 1974, my stepfather, Tom, who at that point, uh, well, let me back up here. I don't want to confuse the stories. I'm 13 years old and it's actually my 13th birthday, August 18, 1974. And mom marries Tom, Tom Kent. And um, a story for another time will be about my mom and some of the life stories she went through. But Uh, Mom did not have an easy growing up lifestyle, and she went through a lot. And between 1974 and late 1977, when I was adopted, my mom uh, contemplated suicide, went through pain, trauma, depression. She was an alcoholic. She was taking numbers of medicines, including antabuse, which was meant to control the alcohol. If you would have a glass of wine with antabuse, the idea is you'd throw up, pass out something. You're medical, you may know more about the effects of antabuse, but she was on a number of medications. A story for another time, I was a volunteer on an ambulance squad, but it plays into this because right about When I was 16 years old, I was a junior member of the Fernand Township Ambulance Squad and received a call that someone had overdosed. The call was my mom. Again, this is a story for another time, but I literally did CPR on her in the ambulance to the hospital, and I'll share that story at another time, but it connects to today's story about adoption. Within a year after that time, and I was sixteen years old, and my mom my mom lived another thirty years after that, so I guess I was pretty good at CPR and God was even better at saving lives than I was, and it wasn't God's will for her to go, but my mom and my stepdad began tossing the word of adoption around me. My dad was alive and well and living many states over. I was in North New Jersey, and my dad was in Illinois, and and um, I want to be careful in a podcast cast to not unnecessarily shame or embarrass or negatively talk about people, but my dad just wasn't there. I think that would be a safe way of saying it. He was not involved in my life, and so I was hearing the word adoption. It kind of made sense in some ways and and so finally uh Tom came to me and said you know I I would like to adopt you and what do you say you 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 have a dad and he's living and you're with your mom and your stepdad wants to adopt you and and I knew my father as much as I would dream and fantasize and pretend and think that he was a good dad and was there I knew better and so we're kind of having this negotiation conversation. And I could tell Tom was moving into fibbing, lying. He said, well, we've met with a lawyer and there's there's a a serious piece to this adoption that, that you have to understand. And I said, okay, lay it on me. And he said, the only way that you can be adopted is if you change your last name to Kent. And most of you listening to this know me as Bob McGurdy, but for 10 years of my life, I had a different last name because the adoption happened. And something triggered in me. And I think more than anything, I knew that Tom wasn't telling the truth. I could see it in his face. I could see it by how he got nervous in the conversation. And perhaps if he just said, I really would like since I probably won't have kids, to have someone that has my name. But I I asked him, I said, is that really what has to happen? I mean, did, did the lawyer say that that's the only way you could be adopted is to change your name? And because this podcast is not listed as explicit, <laughs> I can't quote what he said back, but... He just got angry and looked at me and said, Either you get this adoption or you get the blank, 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 fill in the blank and some more blank out of my house. Little footnote. If you're going to run away and you're in New Jersey and it's February, don't run away Without a jacket. And I just looked at him and I said, fine, goodbye. And I just walked out of the house. I went to slam the door and I thought, no, I'm going to go as calm, cool, and collective as possible. I got less than a quarter of a mile and realized how stupid. I should have gotten a coat. It was maybe 8, 9 o'clock in February. And I sat out in the woods at one point. I went underneath a rowboat, a little bit about my hometown in New Jersey where I graduated high school, lived about five years, is Highland Lakes is mostly a summer area. Um, More of the houses than not were only built for summer. They're not winterized. And so Highland Lakes probably has a population of about 2,000 year-round and about eight to 10,000 in the summer. So there's all these empty summer homes. I thought about breaking into one of the homes and staying warm, but but I got underneath this rowboat that was upside down in a summer home and just kind of laid there. And, and within a few minutes, I was quite warm because my own body heat uh, warmed up that space under the rowboat. But at some point, I felt something kind of tickle me. It could have been a caterpillar. It could have been a a worm. It, It could have been anything, but snake was the only thing that came to my mind. Never saw one, but scared the bejeebers out of me, flipped the rowboat over, bumped my head, and had a big laugh while doing it. And I walked up to the road. The road that we lived on was called Cherry Ridge Road, And I walked that up to Canister Road, which is the main road that would get you out of Highland Lakes. And right between Cherry Ridge Road and Canister Road, I I just stood there. I thought about hitchhiking. I thought about just going somewhere. I thought about friends that would take me in. and, And I just had a lot of deep thoughts about life. I didn't think about suicide. I didn't think about ending my life In fact, what I thought is, I'm not going to let Tom Kent mess my life up. I'm going to make a good decision here. I knew a number of my friends and even relatives that would have taken me in. But I also knew every one of them at some point would have told mom and Tom. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Months earlier, I was doing CPR on my mom. And I made an intellectual decision that for the sake of peace and for the sake of mom's life, that I would go back home, tell Tom that I wanted to be adopted, and sleep in a warm, comfortable house and bed. He yelled at me. He pushed me around a little bit, nothing, nothing serious, but just kind of bully style and called me a few names. My mom gave me a hug and she gave me a look. And all of us have moms and we know the mom look. The mom look is, I'm not going to say anything, but I really know. And from that moment and many moments down the road, I knew that Mom knew that I didn't want to be adopted. Mothers know. <laughs> you can't BS your mom. She knows. BS means Bob standard. That's what my mother told me years ago. So here we go. We go to the offices of Solomon and Raymer in Vernon, New Jersey, the lawyer. The lawyer who at that point in life had never lost a case. He assured my stepfather that he wouldn't lose this one, and it was game on. So it took a number of weeks or months, and we get to court. My mom and stepdad have a high-priced, never-lost-a-case Jewish lawyer who knows his business and is going to charge a fortune, And my dad comes from Illinois to New Jersey with a public defender that I think had to get a breathalyzer one of the days that the court lasted. I'm 16. My younger brother is 12. And we were subjected to things that a 16 and a 12-year-old should never be. Number one is nowadays in a situation like that, there would be free counseling. There would be groups like Division of Youth and Family Services that would do well checks, that would privately ask us if we wanted the adoption. None of that happened. And and um, so here we were in court, and um, the only way I could describe what it was like being in court, first of all, my my aunt Nancy, my my dad's sister was there, my grandmother on my father's side, we there for moral support for my dad and, you know, Hatfield's and McCoy's and we're fighting over a product, myself and my brother. And um, and I can remember sitting in the chair and the chair. If you remember the old movie Land of the Giants, where um, I felt like I was a half an ounce in a 2000 pound chair. It just, it felt like the chair just swallowed me and it was surreal and it was painful. And in the court, I had to tell the judge and, and we, you know, supposedly were protected from the conversations, but we heard so much of what happened in the court. My mom had to say every bad thing my dad did. My dad said every bad thing my mom did. And, and they were just going at it. There were conversations in hallways. There were conversations in the courthouse. And um, so I had to tell a lie. And I did it for the sake of the peace of my mom and tell the court, in official record, that I wanted my um, stepdad, Tom Kent, to be my new dad as if born out of wedlock and that I wanted that my new last name would be Kent. And I remember at one point, the judge was um, quite a stern man, no nonsense, serious look. He had a nickname as the Black Widow. He always gave maximum punishment, no grace. He, he was known as a, as a tough person. And I remember him separately taking me into his chambers Nobody's around, not even my brother. And he looked at me, and uh, my name is Bob, but I was called Bobby back then by many people. And and he heard that name and knew that was kind of the name of affection. He says, Bobby, you don't want to be adopted, do you? And, uh, you know, it was that defining moment. Do I tell the truth to this judge and then he goes back in and somebody's doing CPR on mom again. It's a painful thing that children, 16 and 12 should never have to do. And I jokingly tell people that I was an adult. I was I was parenting my little brother before I was 10 years old. So I guess I I didn't have a childhood. I started as an adult, but I looked at that judge and and I just decided, you know, he was being kind and, and I think he really wanted to understand what was going on. And I said, let me tell you about the last year. And so I talked to him about my qualifications as EMT certified as a CPR certified. Um, I think I wasn't EMT because the state of New Jersey required you to be 18 years old, but I had passed the test. So I was, but I wasn't. Um, I I was a CPR certified, but I was also a CPR instructor, which you didn't have to be 18 for. And, and so I t- told them all my qualifications. And I told them about that day that I was in my volunteer ambulance uniform, a couple houses down the road with my friend Scott Allsberg, when I had the, we called it a plectron, that little metal box, and the call went out, and we were on call, that my mom had overdosed. And I could see he was real emotional about it. And I said, um, after that, my mom spent some time in a psychiatric ward just to get well. And um, my stepfather really wants this to happen. As you know, I said to the judge and I said, so is this about what I want? Or is it about what is the right thing to do at the moment? He walked over, he wiped tears from his eyes, and uh, he gave me a semi-hug. My guess is this judge had never hugged anybody in his life, but it was probably the closest he came to a hug, slapped me on the back, and he said, let's go finish this up. And so um, that was the last thing he wanted to do before making a judgment, and Probably for the record, he he would have liked the record to reflect that he had personally talked to both of us, and that he was convinced that this was our desire and in the best interest. Yada yada yada. And um, all he said was that, um, granted. And he read the the decision. And so on that day, my name at sixteen and a half years old, junior in high school was changed from Robert E. McGurdy to Robert E. Kent. We went with the lawyer uh, to what was called the Courthouse Cafe, and I think it's still there in Newton, New Jersey. If you're listening in Newton, New Jersey, you can confirm, but it was just a little place where hole in the wall, where pre-court, post-court, waiting for court, people would just go and get lunch and soup and whatnot. And so we went for a celebration lunch, and I was not celebrating. And I'd made a decision in that um, courthouse cafe or whatever it was called there in Newton, New Jersey, that someday I would change my name back. So anyhow, adopted at 16, and the next day I go to class. And you have to understand, when I go to class, so I had to go to the counselor's office and principal's office, whatever, and they'd had to sign off the name change with the court records. And and someone, I don't know if it was a counselor, who walked me to all my classes and or had gone and told the teachers that I had a different last name. And, you know, they handled it discreetly and professionally, but that my name was changed. Of course, that person tells the teacher, every class has got 30 kids and they're all different, and you're taking electives and all that, and um, but quickly, my friends knew, and and uh, and I could remember two things, and one of them you're going to think is awful, it re- really wasn't. It was, it actually was funny, but um, first one, and you have to realize, literally, this is the first day with the new name, and I never associated the idea of the last name Kent and Superman, Clark Kent, so. People started calling me Clark, and it was like second period before I got it and uh you know you'd think, well, didn't you figure that out? Well, I was just figuring out the pain of what I didn't really want, and I lied to a court and said I did and I remember one of my friends and and again, this sounds terrible, but it really wasn't. He was joking, and he knew my stepdad, Tom Kent, and he said, "Man, your dad's so cheap." He's not even going to have kids. You're a rent-a-kent. And so that was kind of a joke. I was called a rent-a-kent. And, um, and I'll share more about this story and um, the transition to um, becoming Bob McGurdy again. So 10 years of my life, my entire Air Force career, college, um, and really the start of missions, and I'll just put this teaser out there because those of you in the Assembly of God circle will appreciate this, but the day that we were approved for missions, um, and they do a whole bio and history on you, and at that point, Ron Owasco was the administrator, and, and he... Um, very pastorally walked through my history. And and he suggested, well, you're, you're dealing with passports, you're going into sensitive countries. If you know that you're going to change his name back at some point, you might want to do it now. And one little funny teaser, and I'll tell more about this story at another time, was the, the publishing company in Springfield, Missouri was called RK Litho. And they had sent me all of my missionary material to approve the proof of it and 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 um, give permission to get things printed. And I said, well, I need to call and explain a typo. And they're like, sure, what's the what's the typo? Where'd we miss it? And I said, well, throughout the materials that I have, you see that uh, name that says K-E-N-T? And they're like, yeah. How did we spell Kent wrong? I said, well... At this point, Kent is spelt M C Capital G U R T Y. So, that's that's pretty much the end of this part of the story. Uh, thanks for listening. I, I hope it's um, does a couple of things. Number one is when we tell uh, difficult parts to the story of our life. If you're listening to this. Um, I hope that maybe it gives you inspiration. You know, sometimes we we look at our life in isolation and we go, life sucks, these bad things happened, it's not fair, and why me? And, and, And I hope that whoever I am, whatever I've done, whatever I've accomplished could be perhaps an inspiration to you that you can rise above in spite of. And I like to think that that's what I did. Um, I worked hard to keep my relationship with my stepdad even after going back to my um, birth name. But no matter what happens in our life, um, we can be who we're supposed to be. And that's what the Guided Life Plan is about, is you getting unstuck, uncluttered, and just focused not on why me, but, but, who am i and and what am I supposed to do in life, and what 's my purpose and what 's my value and And I hope that just hearing the story um, could at some level be inspirational to you. I can remember being in that courthouse and and I think it was three days. it was the third day before the judge had given his um, uh, verdict his um, final decision. And um, and I remember being out on the steps in Newton, New Jersey, the Superior Courthouse, and just crying out and saying, God, where are you? This is unfair. Who are you? God, if you're real. And um, and we all cry that out in different things in life. But but I can assure you that today I know that God is real and he cares about me, and looking backwards, I know even that day, he was there, and he was tangible, and he was real in my life. So anyhow, thanks for letting me share my Kent McGurdy story. 61 years old, 51 is a McGurdy, 10 is a Kent, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and I thank you for listening to the story. I encourage you, if you want to send an email, bengalibob at gmail.com, B-E-N-G-A-L-I-B-O-B, Bengali like the tiger and Bob like Bob, bengalibob at gmail.com. And in some of our future um, podcasts, I'm going to talk about how you can connect. We have some gifts Uh, We have a website that's tied to Guided Life Plan, and you can get some free leadership book videos, some summaries of books, and uh, just stay with me on the journey. If you have any feedback, if the uh, place where you listen to the podcast allows comments, that'd be awesome. It helps uh, it to go uh, the, the audience to get wider. And again, this is on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and there's some others, but I'm still learning. Thanks for listening. This is Bob McGurdy, and uh, we'll connect to you soon.